Hello everyone, Aaron here. A quick message before we get into the podcast. I want to apologize for the excessive lateness of this episode. We had some hardcore scheduling and then software errors that actually had us for a short period of time missing half of the episode. We were able to put it back together with some recovery software stuff and the podcast is now intact. So hopefully better late than never. Without further ado, enjoy the pod. Here in sunny California with my brother Kevin. We are in the same room and we're talking to Orin. How you doing, Orin? I'm doing great. Deja vu? Deja vu. Okay. Kevin, it's good to be here with you. Uh, I really dig your apartment. And, Thank you. Uh, people have heard enough about how spacious and luxurious your apartment is. And what material the toilet's made it from, which is porcelain. That's if also wondering. true. Uh, but it's, it is actually like, he has like a really big loft, which is not, yeah. not a common thing in these pricier parts of California. So congratulations on that. Thank you. Congrats. Uh, yeah. And uh, this week, there's some weird news we're going to talk about, right? What's the weird news? Uh, we have Resident Evil 4 is coming to VR. Is yeah. it only coming to Oculus? Yeah. Only coming to Oculus Quest Tell us about too. this, Kevin. <clears throat> um, from what I understand, uh, Oculus is working on not only the game, but they're also updating the visuals and changing how it plays fundamentally. They've basically gone through the entire game and redesigned it for a uh, first-person VR experience. Oh. Um, and I'm all for this personally. I think uh, replaying games in VR is a really fun new way to experience a game. I think it's kind of like one of those cool, non-gimmicky ways to redo a game. So Resident Evil 4 being, I think, one of the better shooters of all time is pretty a uh, pretty good candidate for that. I feel like Resident Evil 4 is just turning into the new Skyrim at this point. <laughs> I feel like I just see it on every platform now, re-released, re-released. That's true. I think you can get it on your phone. Um, you can get it on Alexa, even, Skyrim. Skyrim. But, um, no, he's talking about Resident Evil 4, but like... Oh, that's true. Resident Evil 3 uh, was put on PSVR, so I'm going to try that and hopefully report back next wait, pod. Wait, Resident Evil 3? Sorry, Doom 7. 3, Doom 3. Oh, Doom, Doom 3. 3. I want to yeah, try that, too. Say, as well. Um, you know what's funny about Resident Evil 4 being in VR is I was like, ooh, I get to play Resident Evil 4 with motion controls for the first time. And I was like, wait a minute. Not I've played time. Resident Evil 4 with motion controls yeah. on, on the Wii. Really easy on Wii. <laughs> and it's, uh, yeah, it's, you can aim before you aim on the Wii version of Resident yeah, Evil 4. It's actually can, a really good version of Resident Evil 4. It is a good version. It's definitely uh, it's too easy. It's actually the best of the old school versions other than I'm a little iffy about the controls, but I believe you can play it with a controller because they're too easy. But you get it. It's the only version that runs with all of the uh, GameCube-specific effects, so these cool fire effects, and it's in widescreen. Mm-hmm. Full full SD widescreen, so that's nice. Uh, yeah. So, so that's exciting. Resident Evil, Resident Evil 4 still looks pretty amazing. Yeah. Like, I, I, I played a lot of it recently, and it's it looks gorgeous. And I mean, I, I still remember going back to 2005 and thinking about playing that game and it was just at the time it was uh it was just so ahead of everything else like it just kind of rendered the competition obsolete for about a year or two but i don't know if i feel the same way now playing it but i don't know maybe i'll play the vr version why not uh here un forastero over and over again Mm -hmm. martalo martalo (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> that sounds pretty good. Uh, I definitely want to try this Doom 3 thing, too. Um, yeah, I think that could be a great VR game. All right, well, you're going to have to report back when it happens. For sure. In other news, and this is a rumor. This is a rumor that's almost certainly false, but I want to discuss the meat of the rumor and like the implications of the rumor for a minute, okay? Allegedly, all over Twitter, Microsoft has alleged to buy Konami or was like in the process and it's going to come out before E3, which is in the coming months. Uh, what do you guys think of that? I mean, it's just a rumor, right? I mean, it would be cool. I don't think Konami would do it, but um, 
I don't know. I mean, it would be an amazing grab because I would just love to see a Silent Hill game. Just another Silent Hill game. Yeah. And I don't know. It might be it might be easy, just like an easy picking for Microsoft, but there is there have been rumors swirling for a while that they're going to try to find some sort of stake in the Japanese game industry and Konami mm-hmm. like if they're able to come to a deal or give them an offer that's so large like they did with Bethesda that they just can't refuse it. Yeah. Uh that would be that would be pretty sweet. I mean yeah. I mean for me personally Silent Hill um, Kevin, are you, I can't remember. Kevin, you're, you're not a Silent Hill fan? Right? I just never played it. He's never played uh, it. Yeah. I have no beef with yeah. the series. It looks amazing. I just never played it. I never played it either, so I, I can't <laughs> comment on it. But I would love to play it. I guess my feeling about this is that this would mirror a move that Microsoft made about like 15 years ago with buying Rare. But again, buying a company with a lot of IPs, or I would say less IPs with Rare, but with some IPs. But after all of the people who made the games are gone... So they'd really just be buying IPs. And I don't know that Microsoft has the best track record of converting old IPs into new good stuff. Mm. You know what I mean? Yeah. Like their follow through is a little iffy on that. I guess when they're working on with that new Perfect Dark quadruple A game, the biggest budget game ever made potentially. I (laughs) I think uh, it's a cool idea in that Konami making games like Konami IPs existing. I don't think anyone could make a Metal Gear game that isn't Hideo Kojima, at least if he's not involved. So I don't really see, unless they're remaking something, I don't see like a new game in that franchise. I do like the idea of a Castlevania being done. And Mm -hmm. that's probably why they want it, because it's kind of blown up again with the the Netflix series and all that. Mm. I I am just fundamentally against um, corporate consolidation, though. I don't like a couple companies owning all of the franchises, even though I think Microsoft's doing good things generally. Eh, they, that may they, not be true in 20 years. May not, that may be, not be true yeah, in 50 and years. I, yeah. I, I kind of like companies to be more independent and doing. I mean, again, Konami is not really doing anything. They make pachinko machines and just re release their games on mobile phone and other stuff. So they're not really do. They're not working in the AAA space. And but on that note, Konami has a, a spot in this uh, E3 this year. Did you, did you read that? I did not Which read means that. If they're going to E3, not. they have to be presenting a AAA game. So something's happening. Is there a physical E3 this year? No. Oh, it's not. I would have gone. Like I would have gone too. It's in LA. I could go vaccinated. Why not? Um, did you guys get vaccinated yet? Yes. Yeah. Uh, did you get both briefly. of them? One yes. I've had. I've had one. He's had one. I've had two. I've had one. So Congrats. I'll be free like late May officially. So I'm very excited about that. Yeah. Very very excited. How was the first shot reaction? Uh, it was fine. I didn't feel anything. I've 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 heard really bad things about the second shot. Mm-hmm. Yeah, is that true, Aaron? I didn't have a particularly rough experience with the second shot, but my partner she was knocked out with a fever. Like literally slept for eighteen hours the following day and was just like a total wreck. So yeah. it goes all over the place. Yeah. Yeah, I'm 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 getting it. Yeah, I'm getting it like on a weekend. So hopefully all of my symptoms pass over the weekend so I can mm. work and. But then again, I'm working remotely, so it doesn't really matter. I can just kind of be sick and work. It's the American way. Right. It is the American way. <laughs> yeah, if definitely. you get the kind of uh, experience that some people have had, though, I think you may be incapable of, of working well. Uh, I mean, literally incapable of working well. But it might be challenging. Like, like again, my partner, was she was sleeping all day long. Like She could not even keep her eyes open. Sure, sure. So Yeah. Yeah, uh, get your vaccine, folks. It's, yeah, it's uh, worth it. It's worth it. It's um, worth it. Definitely. It's, the peace of mind is great. Uh, okay, was, did we have any more news to talk about? Uh, just the Resident Evil Showcase, mostly Village. Oh, yeah, Resident Evil Village Showcase. So you didn't see that, right? Did not see it. But Don't Orange saw about it. it. Correct? Yes, I did see it. What was um, your take on that? It was pretty, uh, pretty boring, honestly, and pretty <laughs> unnecessary. But I did like seeing Mercenaries mode. I mean, mm-hmm. I I have very fond memories of Mercenaries mode, specifically in Resident Evil 3 and 4. Uh, so, I mean, I'm definitely going to be playing that, even if it's very bare bones and it's just like shooting stuff and comboing and getting money to buy more weapons. Like, that sounds like a good time. What do you think, Kevin? Yeah, I am I like it. Um, I, Mercenaries is one of my favorite parts of RE. I didn't play it in RE3, but I played it in RE4 and RE5 a lot. So I'm definitely excited about the return of it. I'm a little bit like, 
I'm a little skeptical because I was seeing damage numbers when they shot the enemies in mercenaries mode. I'm sure. always kind of like, I, I don't like that trend mm. too much. I don't, not every game needs it. You know, it can be fine in some games, but it doesn't seem like it's necessary unless you're having like a specific gun progression system. Even then, I don't even think it's that. I don't even look at the numbers in those games anyways. Hmm. Um, but I'm really happy the mode's coming back. It almost looks like it's more of like a COD Zombies gameplay loop this time. Hmm. Sure. Yeah, I mean... Hard to yeah, say. Yeah, it's, pro- it's probably just going to be single-player mercenary. Uh, did they say that it's going to ha- be multiplayer mercenaries, or is it just single-player? I have a feeling it's going to be multiplayer, because that's really what makes mercenaries amazing, in RE5 at sure. least, and 6. But multiplayer? I, I don't know if the game's going to have multiplayer. I think they're await- They're going to you know drip-feed like, these hmm. details upcoming But that release. game's out in two months. Yeah. Two um, months? Isn't it like next month? It's like a week. It's yeah. like a month away. Yeah, it's like less than a month away. Whoops. It's, it's, uh, the, it's literally like the only game I've been anticipating. Yeah, that's how I feel too. Every time I see it though, I just, I love the direction, like the style. It's like this, you know, it looks kind of like, I guess I want to maybe Bloodborne, but just this classic monster vampire and, and werewolf kind of thing, which I just love that. So yeah, Resident Evil games are always fun. Mm-hmm, they are. I, I just hope, though, the last thing I'll say about this is I feel I love the recent Resident Evil games, but sometimes I feel like they don't fully uh, commit all the way through. Like they kind of have amazing first impressions and amazing second ha- second act. And then the third act, it just kind of like falls off and it's just like yeah. less interesting. So Stephen King novel problem. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. It's just it's just like this. So I, I hope they really like this feels like a full experience because Resident Evil 7 the first, in my opinion, the first two thirds of that game were incredible, and then the last third felt like incredibly lazy compared to the first two thirds. Yeah, yeah. So. I, I feel the same. I think even in terms of gameplay design, RE7 felt like it was like they hadn't quite figured out what was perfect for it. Like it felt like it was a good try, but like they weren't quite there. Mm. But it looks like this game is going to be much more. The combat's more fleshed out and thought out. Hmm. Hopefully, yeah, the game's not I'm as hoping. much. Does it look like it's about the combat? It's got some combat, so it makes Resident Evil Resident Evil. It's got some combat. Okay, it's not a shooter. It's not an FPS. Right, because I mean, I think of Resident Evil Four as being about the combat, whereas Resident Evil One is about the puzzles and the exploration. I'm hoping it's more of that. I think RE Four is a lot of exploration and puzzles still. Yeah, yeah. Resident Evil Four yeah. had some uh, really uh, good, uh, like not like puzzles that broke your brain, but just ones that yeah used the shooting mechanics in a way that was that worked. Mm. Um, but yeah, I, a big problem with later Resident Evil games is that the combat and the survival mechanics and the exploration mechanics are really good, but the puzzles are just bad. So hopefully that changes with this one. We'll see. It looks mm. like they're going all in on this game. It's the last thing I'll say about it. It looks like they're like, they want this game to be at like, you know, a plus. Yeah. No RE3 kind of deals. Huh. No like half baked. You know, yeah, <laughs> Resident Evil Three was so such a letdown. Yeah, I don't even really know was. why they made it. Honestly, completely agree. It should have been like a like a an expansion pack sort of thing, DLC or whatever. Like it seems like it was good, but it was brief enough that it didn't warrant a full release. But I guess get it on sale, right? Yeah, yeah, for like seven dollars. Yeah, it's like a seven dollar game. Yeah, yeah. Hmm. Um, <laughs> all right. Well, uh, quick a quick total. This is the stupidest thing in the world. Let's talk about Xbox Series X. Kevin finally tried one. I've been playing a lot of Control on it, which I'm going to... I haven't played anything in the last two weeks, but I was playing Control on it. I was really liking it. I was playing Hitman 3. Sorry, Mike. Uh, and uh, enjoying that a lot. <laughs> um, but like, I have one... I love my Series X. I recommend everybody gets 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 a, a series console, whatever one suits you best. They're, they're really nice. One nitpick. This one thing that just makes me laugh every time it happens. And it happens across multiple games. In Control... And a few other games, there are certain, very few, certain physics objects that animate at 15 frames per second. So you're like flying through the world and it looks really smooth and great. And then you see this like stop motion animation looking thing. In control, it's when you open those boxes. Mm. You know what I'm talking about? The, the ammo boxes, like it's like animates at a much lower frame rate. It's not nearly as jarring as Assassin's Creed Odyssey. Mm-hmm. has these curtains that animate at like 15 frames per second. So it looks like Gumby all of a sudden. It's like I'm walking around and it's so beautiful. And then you have these Gumby curtains just kind of <laughs> slowly animating <laughs> up and down. Uh, so you don't, the, the level of detail frame rate differences bother you? 
Uh, when it's 15. Yeah. yeah. Cause it looks, it literally looks like Gumby in the real world. It's like, what is going on? That's kind of funny that you say that. Cause I played through control on my Xbox series S mm. and the game ran really, really well, mm-hmm. but the the lighting physic or the lighting overall just didn't seem it didn't seem like it was loading properly or it just like was low res. Really? So hmm. oh. so it's kind of funky. I've been I, I've just been hearing stories about, and this is pretty anecdotal, so I don't really have clear evidence. Though I should probably watch more digital foundry videos, <laughs> but um. Sometimes games will play better on like Series S or like on PS5, but the weirdest case I got was Borderlands 3, mm-hmm. which apparently runs and I wa- there was a Digital Foundry video about this. It runs really smoothly on like base PS4 and hmm. base Xbox 1, but on PS4 Pro and next gen consoles it has like a lot of bugs a lot of crashes <laughs> so <laughs> so it's kind of funny how there are some games that are just designed for you know older tech and when right. they're brought into better tech they're just not like optimized for that yeah I, I don't know i'm not a tech expert but yeah i just think that's fascinating well the problem that i'm complaining about is, is similar to that but it's kind of like a, a way of like budgeting like they're budgeting their sure. uh, their cpu cycles and gpu cycles but like it's such a strange thing because it just looks it looks like gumby like i used to watch a lot of gumby as a kid you know gumby like moves around <laughs> like course. all stuttery and it's mm-hmm. like i'm like oh it's it looks like gumby yeah it's level of detail which is like when you see things further away they they kind of change their mesh quality so you know like in those videos people have cyberpunk they have like these n64 looking characters mm-hmm. those are the lowest yeah. level of detail models that you should never see up close right popping in so they also do up for of red is they do level of detail for frame rates too it's easier to make a game run well if you have level of detail stuff in the distance at a lower frame rate so yeah bioshock did it uh but th- okay the yeah. cyberpunk thing this is on pc the the best <laughs> cyberpunk bug that happened all the time was you'd be driving on the freeway and there'd be no cars but then all the way down you look down the freeway and there's like these 2d headlights coming at you and they like disappear <laughs> like a half a mile before <laughs> they get in front of you so it's just like you're like where the fuck did all the cars go? But like all these 2D headlights. I have an interesting question for you guys. Yeah. Um, PC Gamer put an article out recently that said Cyberpunk should give up their development and, and yeah. uh, you know, just, just move on to the next thing. They should thing. move on to the next project. Do you, yeah. What do you think? Uh, should they or should they, make, should they fix the game? I, it could be a short answer. Yeah, I, I think that's not the worst idea in the world. I think they should put out a couple DLCs and polish it a little more. They did say that they are giving up on Cyberpunk is, quote unquote, not an option. That was right. the, that was their response, right. I guess, to that sentiment. But um, I don't know. They're still. I guess I'm conflicted. Probably they should move on. Hmm. Uh, I think they should do the next gen versions of the game for like Series X and PlayStation yeah. Five, mm-hmm. and then just call it there. Honestly, um, yeah. I mean, it could be a No Man's Sky success story, but it's just been such a. It's just. It, the thing about No Man's Sky is that it was kind of a flash in the pan. Mm-hmm. This terrible launch happened, and then they were able to recover from it. With Cyberpunk, it seems like it's just continuing to spiral out of control, and a lot of the problems with the game are just so embedded in the overall design that it's really hard to, that they would have to like literally rebuild the game to solve it, that it might not be worth it. And also, even if they do release a really polished, excellent next gen version of that game a year from now, like people will probably have moved on and maybe just won't be interested in playing it. I'm actually one of those people. I didn't play cyberpunk 2077 and I'm just not really interested in playing it at this point. I know you guys liked it, but mm-hmm. yeah, I moved on. Kevin, have you moved on? I'm still waiting to play it. <laughs> um, wait, I, I want it to be patched. I think they sh- personally. I think they should fix it. I like the game. I like. I like like everything they've done with it. I just want it to be like smooth and consistent and like well done. Because I think the story elements, from what I understand, are like that, but the rest of the game isn't. So I want it to all be a cohesive, nice experience. And I'll wait another year if I have to for it. But I think they should. I think. I think they put so much time and money into this game. Like make it good, fix it. Yeah, sure. if they can. Um, I might be done with the game. I mean, I don't think I'm fully done, but I think the bulk of my playing is definitely behind me. Like I, I, I played it for I think 70 hours or something, which is pretty typical for me in an open world game. I'll usually hit that like somewhere between 30 and a hundred hour mark. And I'll be like, okay, I've kind of seen most of the world. I've met most of the characters. 
I might be done here. Uh, so I, I did that with cyberpunk. I had a pretty good time. And, uh, unless they put something, unless something really changes that like in terms of content, like, I don't know if there's a lot left for me to do. I didn't beat the game, but I got most of the way through it. So I had a pretty good time all in all. Nice. You know what game I'm done with? Is it Outriders? Hitman 3. I have finally gotten tired of Hitman 3. Can you believe it? Really? Yeah. We're sorry. Uh, um, (laughs) 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 Really? I I was playing it. I was playing it on Series uh, X, and it was like native 4K on my TV, and it was such a crispy-looking pixel rich game i don't know i was like this is so sharp it's like i'm gonna get cut that game sold over twice as many copies as Hitman 2 oh that's awesome you believe that that is really awesome uh, i believe graphic of that is i think hitman 2 was kind of a fizzle for them yeah, yeah hitman 2 they they released it at a bad time they released it like two weeks after red dead redemption 2 Oh, yeah. not a good, <laughs> which is yeah. not a good time to release any. They got game. Titanfall and Assassin's Creed Odyssey. I see all that yeah. stuff. Yeah, but Hitman Three came out when nothing came out for like three months, so mm. they like killed right. it with that release date. And it's like the only <laughs> next gen game or like next gen ready game. It's pretty next gen. I think RE Eight's uh, doing the same thing. They're releasing a really good window. It's not. Yeah, it's not a big bunch of stuff coming out right now. No, now's a good a com- time. Release your fucking games. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. I, I have a, I have a couple of friends who are saying uh, I'm not. I don't know if I can play Resident Evil Eight because I'm too busy uh, uh, hyping the Mass Effect trilogy, and I just roll my eyes. Oh my like, god, what? that game! I love Mass Ooh. Effect, but come on, Resident Evil Eight. Yeah, I I haven't bought Resident Evil Eight than, than replay Mass Effect. I would not want to play the, the. I don't like the way the uh, the newish the redone graphics look. No, they're not for me. I, I, yeah, whatever. It doesn't look like a 2008 Unreal Engine game anymore, which I, that I game agree. Is, pr- is a pretty good experience. You can play it on Game Pass, the old version now, and it's actually pretty good on a, on a modern console, modern Xbox console. So I don't personally need the remaster, but who knows? Maybe it'll be I'll great. I'll play it probably, but not at launch. Yeah. I'll play it eventually. Yeah, I might try it. Yeah, it, it, it's so weird. Like, uh, I always hold the Mass Effect games in really high regard. But when I think of games from that era, like I go back and I play the the Bioshock trilogy, like once every two years because I just really enjoy those games. Mm-hmm. I go back and play the first Last of Us. Um, there are there are other games from that generation that I remember fondly that I like to go back and replay. But um, Mass Effect, I never feel the drive to go back and play them for some reason. Yeah, like, and it's weird because I remember loving those games, but I'm never inspired to play them, which makes me wonder if I like them as much as I think I do. When I replayed Bioshock One, I was like, "This game is still so fun." Like I, I was, I had, I was expecting to not like it as much, but it was still as fun as I remembered it being. But I, I do think Mass Effect, the pacing would be a little rougher to get. I don't know to get into. I guess. I guess it depends on which like. Mass Effect, the original game, I really loved for its kind of awkward, slow, more user-directed pace, but that's the thing I think almost everybody didn't like about that game. Sure. That in the Mako, which I also kind of like the Mako. Yeah, they fixed the Mako. I know. I, I'm not sure that that's, if it's going to be yeah. a fix or a, or a, or a fuck. But, the Mako uh, wasn't so bad. It's a good thing. I agree. I like that about the Mako. Just this, I don't know. Like, I really like that first Mass Effect, that first Mass Effect game, but the, the rest of them didn't do it for you me. You didn't play two, though, right? I played halfway oh. through two. Okay. Oh, oh, two's the best one. So, Aaron, sorry, Aaron does is, not agree. He's a Mass Effect one guy. I'm a so, Mass so, Effect one purist. So, yeah. I don't know if you agree with me, Kevin, but Mass Effect two was so mind blowing for its time because it was the first game I played where every decision you make throughout the campaign is uh, reflected in the final suicide mission. Yeah. And I, that was like mind blowing at yep. the time. Hmm. Yep. I loved all of it. I love two. I think two is awesome. I think the gameplay is better in two overall. Um, the, there is something about the Mass Effect one tone I like. I don't know what it is. It's a little bit less action movie. It's more like side. It's more it's like more like Star Trek, Battlestar, or something. Or so, yeah, yeah. But um, I think two is a better game. Yeah. So, uh, and then, all right. And then and then we all agree that three is like not as not three worth is playing. like the ret- <laughs> yeah three is three is like the return of the Jedi yeah. of the uh, Mass Effect trilogy. It's like. 
Like uh, with the original Star Wars, some people think Empire's the best or the first one's A New Hope's the best. Most people aren't going to say Return of the Jedi is the best one. Yeah, Same I agree. thing. So my cousin Jason. Same Shout I out like to your Jason. analogy. I like your um, analogy. But yeah, that, I hear you. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Um, there you go. <laughs> <laughs> so I've been playing this game called Outriders that I mentioned earlier. Um, and I understand Oren, you've been playing it. You play, I think you played it more than me. I put the demo. And then I played the real game for about five hours. But you, how much have you played, Orn? Um, I my I, I actually checked my Xbox right before coming on, and I put thirty five hours into this game. Were you anticipating my question of how many hours you had put in? <laughs> <laughs> kind of, yeah. <laughs> I should I should have checked, and I'm sorry I'm bringing up Hitman Three. I should have checked how many hours I had into Hitman Three as well as like a final, like hour stamp. But I would predict it was about ninety hours. But Damn. yeah, for Outriders, I did 35 hours. So what's your what's your opinion? That game is very um, divisive on the internet. People hate it or love it. It's a weird one because um, on the one hand, it kind of sucks. But on the other hand, I put 35 hours into it. So it had to do something right. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think... Uh, I think my fi- my thoughts about Outriders is that I think it gets the core gameplay loop right. Mm-hmm. The um, the movement feels great. The guns feel great. The upgrade system is really engaging, especially the modding system. Yeah, I agree with everything um, so far. Yeah, just the overall gameplay loop and and just like finding new loot feels great. Like mm-hmm. it feels great. I like I like um, the, I like the level design for the most part, or at least the world map design. Like I like how there's a main quest, but then there's like two or three side quests that you could do. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, all that stuff is great. It's it's everything around surrounding the game that I think is bad, and I think the story is just bad. <laughs> At, like it got to the point where I was playing the game and I was I just forgot what the stakes were and I was just like experiencing these cutscenes and I'm like I don't even know like who that is why they're still alive like what they're trying to do mm. and <laughs> and I thought it was going to build to something and I was like okay there's this game's probably going to build to like a really meaty climax but it just kind of ends I'm sorry if that's like a spoiler but it's okay <laughs> I, I, <laughs> it's not it like it's not that it just kind of ends. It's just that like the payoff of what I was expecting just didn't match what I was hoping. Mm. And yeah, the story just never really got me. Um, and the game is just buggy as hell. Like it's just so that is true. It's so buggy. Like I've had the game crash on me like 30 times and it's, it's usually the same bug. And I saw this on the internet. The, um, if you open up the inventory, um, like sometimes the game will crash if you try to exit out of the inventory. And I had that bug a lot and it was Mm. really frustrating. And some of the boss fights are just poorly designed. Like they're not designed for a cover shooter. They're designed for, you know, like bloodborne, but they're trying to do it with a shooting uh, Mm -hmm. type gameplay. I don't know. It It just has some like design crap, bugginess crap, and just like a bad story. Like all of that stuff kind of, coats it in shit but i think deep down the gameplay loop is just fun enough where i stayed with it for 35 hours so that's my review in a nutshell uh kevin what do you think based on your first five hours um i like it i is definitely buggy which is annoying Mm. (laughs) i'm kind of like cyberpunking it really i'm just gonna like maybe wait a little bit longer for this game let them fix it you know this is common in games nowadays and you know computer games are complicated big beasts these days are hard to make you know especially the last year yeah yeah like, million parts going on multiplayer online experiences bazillion you know all these things so i i can have some patience and uh for it but i i like when i play it um I read somewhere online that they said that they felt like the map design was like from 2005 but i'm like that's not really a bad thing though i'm kind of like I'm okay with this. It doesn't need to be. Not every game needs to have these 1993 Doom maps, which I like. It was my favorite, but you know, right. I'm okay with the straightforward map where I just go forward and kill things. Like that's yeah, that's fine. Um, I think uh, I I'm still like trying to figure out how far I am in the game, or if I'm like I just fought like a large spider thing. Does that sound familiar, Orin? Yeah, you're pretty early. Okay, so not very far. In the, so how, is there still a lot left after that? Yeah. 
Okay. Yeah, there's there's a lot because it's kind of funny that you say that because I think I got the same thing after I fought the spider. I'm like, I'm pretty sure I'm like almost. I'm like, yeah, like halfway. Pretty far. I'm like halfway, <laughs> but then I found out that I'm not even close. So <laughs> you have <laughs> okay. You have a chunk of it to go. I still feel like I haven't played it enough to really give like solid impressions. I'm like I haven't got really deep into the RPG mechanics. But what I will say in terms of just the gameplay th- element, which I really liked, was the game. You have these cooldown powers, which I complained about with Doom Eternal, right? Um, I feel like in this game, the powers enhance my abilities and empower me rather than making me have to use them with Doom Eternal. Life. So um, maybe this is just a difficulty thing, but this game gets hard, right? Did you feel like it gets challenging? And the game encourages you to play it on the hardest difficulty always. Yeah, the thing about that is sometimes I feel like the difficulty is artificial. Like it's not like um, it's not bumping up the difficulty in a meaningful way. Like there's this boss that happens near the end of the game where he just like literally spams you with like all of these extra enemies and they appear like every 20 seconds. And if you're playing it on a high world tier, cause this mm. game kind of like other looter shooters um, and live service games, it goes by a world tier system. The higher mm. your world tier, the harder oh, your enemies are. The better your so, rewards. Like, I, I was playing it on like a higher world tier system and like the boss just kept spamming me with attacks and it just felt like it it just it, it was it felt like the game was was interpreting the difficulty spice spike as like oh i'm just going to like spam 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 instead, mm. <laughs> instead of like actually generating like a fair and challenging difficulty spike hmm. um, that's a bummer that wasn't my impression so far at least it seemed reasonable but but i haven't gotten super far what I do sure. like that the game does is it, it, it makes you coordinate on your special abilities. Like enemies will have, are going to use stone skin or they're going to use a heal. Like, and you have to coordinate your interrupts on their spells. I thought that was a cool mechanic. I like that. Like, I was like, oh, this reminds me of like a WoW instance or something. Like, the, the good parts of that tactical team play. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I, I like the game. I'm going to stick, stick with it, but I'm going to wait for them to patch a little more because I hope there's also an inventory wipe bug. Which is not so cool. You experienced an inventory bug. I didn't, but I read about it. Actually, oh. I did experience. Oh, an inventory oh bug. that's that's what I was talking about. The inventory bug is like mm. every time I would try to leave the inventory, like not every time, but every other time, it would just crash and it was just terrible. Oh um, yeah, I think like the core of it, the core gameplay, is really solid. Um, I didn't like the boss fights at all. Honestly, I didn't mm. enjoy the boss fights, but I did enjoy just like. The, the just the encounters overall i thought the encounters felt great mm-hmm. um i think uh jeff gertzman on giant bomb actually brought something up about the game because he liked it uh he he said that the game flips the cover system on its head where the cover isn't really for you the cover is for the enemies cowering to right. try to survive and i think I think that's true i think the game's cover system is really for the enemies because you're just like supposed to be this god basically um yeah so. that seems accurate to, from my impressions i still use cover when fighting shooter enemies but there's a lot of like melee kind of monster enemies too that you fight hmm. so yeah and i thought the comments it, it, fleshed out i liked it i think people can fly did a good job it feels impactful and like weighty which is what matters to me a lot yeah i mean i put 35 hours into the game so i can't really knock it too much because like mm-hmm. i could have totally stopped at some point but i kept coming back so it was doing something right i mean like i think uh I- i've played more polished and better games but like those same games didn't hold my interest in the way this one did right. so i'm it's one of those games that i can't put a number score to because on the the one hand it's like a five out of ten but on the other hand it's like an eight or a nine out of ten because I put mm-hmm. so much time into it and ultimately enjoyed it, but all right, yeah, was, uh, yeah, yeah. Hmm. G- give it a shot, Aaron. Well, I gave it a shot, and I gotta say that intro thirty minutes was horseshit. But I you was, didn't get to the game, right? I was so bored that I didn't. Uh, I'll try it, but I literally found the first few minutes to be the kind of problem that you often complain about. You're just like being direct. Go talk to this guy. Go. To, I was just like, why didn't you just start me in the game? Like mm-hmm. any shooter should be in media res like every time. Don't start me with don't tell me a stupid story. Don't make me talk to some people. Let me shoot. and Then I can talk to people like hook me first. I felt like it wasn't hooking me in the beginning. And I think maybe I was 
I, it was competing with some other games. I had, a, you know, I was mm-hmm. playing some uh, control and stuff, and I just, I was like, eh, I'll come back to this. Yeah, yeah, it's it's. Um, I can name, I can count like five games that I played this year that were better. Honestly, like it's, yeah, yeah <laughs> it's six. it's fine. Yeah. I mean, I mean, it's it's good. It's 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 like a good bad game. Yeah, that's how I describe it. A good bad game. All right. Um, but I do I do agree with Kevin. The shooting ultimately feels really good. Hmm. If you just want game feel, it, mm-hmm. the shooting feels great. All right, mm-hmm. cool. That is Outriders. Uh, you guys also have been playing. Well, actually, okay. Orin already spoke about this game. Orin's finished with this, to my knowledge. But you guys can riff a little bit on this Neo Two. So I played through Neo One twice, actually. <laughs> You played through it twice? I played through it... And you didn't like it? Not technically twice. I played through it 75% the first time on PS, and then I re-rolled and played it again on my um, Windows Steam version. Um, mm. And also, by the way, if you're going to play the game on Steam, Neo 1, that is, uh, don't play the DLC because it crashes regularly, and mm. you lose all your progress, and it sucks. Um, <laughs> but uh, Neo 2, I was hoping for some of them to fix some of the annoyances I had with the first game. Um, one of them being enemies killing you in one hit. I just sucks. Just not not fun in that kind of game. They didn't fix that problem. That still happens. They won't kill you in one attack, but they'll hit you and you'll be stunned and they'll hit you again, you're dead. Um, talk about artificial difficulty. I feel like uh, Neo is like the king of artificial difficulty. <laughs> and there's too many goddamn items. It's like, I, like I, I was thinking like, God, these Diablo games are just so annoying. I'm like, oh no, it's just Neo. Neo has too many items. Neo 1 has too many items. Neo 2 has too many items. What do you think, Orin? You think that? Wait, were you talking about Neo One or Two there? They like both, what? What both game them, were you complaining about? But I'm talking about Neo Two. Now, I'm talking about Neo Two now. But I think the problems I'm talking about are in both games. Was that a setup, or I'm I'm a little confused? Keep going. Sorry. Uh, Neo Two has these. All these problems are in Neo Two. Okay, that? I see. I see. I thought you were about to say, but Neo Two doesn't do this. No, Neo Two has all these problems. Oh shit, that's annoying. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think I think for me, uh, I, I really liked Neo 2. I think it was like my fourth number four on my top five list last year. That's right. Um, and I do agree, too many items, some artificial difficulty, but ultimately I just had fun with it. I, th- I, think, I think what I like what, about Neo 2 and why I prefer it to the first one is I really enjoyed the character customization. Yeah. I, I felt like the first game didn't have that, and... The second one, the, well, the first one game literally didn't have that, but the second yeah. one they they went full in on um, customizing your play su- style, customizing how your character looks, and mm-hmm. I think that made a huge difference for me. Um, I like that made too. it memorable. I felt like uh, the combat has no weight in that game. No weight. Oh, I like no- I I like it. I mean, it feels like it reminds me of Ninja Gaiden. Yeah, it it's like me of it's Ninja like arcadey. Okay, it's it's, to me, it feels like I'm hitting an enemy a million times and like doesn't do. They don't flinch or take any damage, and it's just like this very little impact. Hmm. And I'm like, like there's no weight to the attacks. Even the big axes don't feel like they have weight. Like the game doesn't seem like it has any established. You're not getting feedback. I'm I'm comparing it to Souls because I don't know what else to compare it to. But like, there's no established poise system from what I can tell for stunning enemies. And whenever you fight humanoid enemies, they block everything. And there's no easy guard break other than smash them with heavy weapons. And I find that to be very frustrating because hmm. they sit there and just, uh, 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 they just block every attack. Did you have this problem, Orin? Um, gosh, the Red you know, it's, it's, it's been just long enough where I can't really remember, but I was using the Odachi, like that big ass sword. Yeah. And that thing wrecked everything. Like it just like tore through anything I fought. Yeah. And, so I don't, yeah, I don't know. I will agree that um, I was actually uh, thinking about this after playing Sekiro: Shadows Die twice. Um, that game is so refined and streamlined in its RPG elements that when you go and play a game like Neo Two, it feels like a step back. Yeah, I think that's fair. Yeah, would you I agree? agree? Yeah, yeah, because ne- it's just like Sekiro. Just like they they just took out all the bullshit in that game. And yeah. it feels great. I love it. Neo 2 is like, if I was to describe a bloated game, 
<laughs> there's too many mechanics. It's like there's now like they used to have a little realm where you step in it, it would like drain your stamina or your stamina would recharge slowly. Now it's like you step into a whole cave and your stamina drains slowly and you have to like do all these new parry attacks. All the enemies drop abilities, which is cool. It's kind of like this Castlevania Donosaro thing where you can get their soul and use it. But then it's like well, there's just so many mechanics. Like what, what do I what points do I put into? What skills are good? I have to try all these out. I can only change them at the shrine. It's just like there's so much stuff. I'm like God. It's like every weapon has three stances. There's just too many things. I feel like with the game and I'm like having trouble like navigating all the items all the mechanics forging stuff constantly changing my weapons armor it's just so much stuff with the game I'm like ugh it's overwhelming I feel that I feel frustrated yeah. with the amount of stuff it's like uh, there's actually a theory I was reading about this someone put forward I forget what it's called overchoice but basically if you give someone too many options their brain kind of just like stops thinking for a second yeah. and you be it's like I have this problem with, with Steam like if I want to go play games on Steam I like try and decide what to play there's too many options I just don't play anything same with Netflix too, right? You go to watch my Netflix, and it's like, so I feel like that with Neo, that's a problem. There's too much, too much everything. Yeah, I mean, I'm gonna just jump in and say that uh, I don't want to like muddy the waters, but this is just something generally that I think is a problem with most games I play. Um, it's just like that whole prop. Like, I loved Neo too. I ultimately really enjoyed that game, but I will admit when I played it, the game gives you all of these combos that you can use in your play style. Yes. But I but I never really changed from square square triangle triangle. I just yeah. like did that all the time. So it's like and I still beat the game. So <laughs> I th- I, th- I think you have the point you have a point that like sometimes you don't need like a billion mechanics when like ultimate like this was actually a problem I have with have with Outriders. Outriders is this game that tries to throw so much at you and it's like there's a world tier system but you also have like your own upgrade tree and then Mm. you also have this leveling system but on top of that you have like this inventory and mod management and it's like at the end of the day I was able to beat the game at like a world tier like 12 or something I can't remember and all I really did was just shoot shit and roll it's like like do you really need all that stuff probably not (laughs) Yeah, probably not. Like, I get the idea of, like, oh, more depth is fun, especially if you're sp- spending time on a game like this. But, like, Neo, it's, like, extra ridiculous, too. Because it's, like, you go, like, every weapon has, like, five abilities you can use to each button. Right. And it's, like, I don't know what am I going to go to try and test every single one of these. Like, it just, I mean, maybe. But I guess that's not how I want to play Neo. Um, I do feel like their map design is better in that game. Because the first game's maps were really bad. I thought the map design was just all around. Except for, like, maybe two or three levels of the first game. I can't remember any of them. They're just these kind of like boring run around the cliffs and then kick a ladder down and then keep going. Sure. <laughs> um, but it still does the same thing that the first game does, which is this, this maps where you like, it looks like a place that you could just move forward straight, but it's actually a series of ladders to climb or cliffs to drop off just to get like a little bit. And navigating can be very tricky and tiresome because it's almost like this weird vertical maze. That you like you can't go forward this way. You only go. Did you, did you experience that too? Because my, my girlfriend and I are playing this game co-op right now. And we're both like, Ugh, like I'm not sure where to go. What do we What do we do here? Hmm. The the first Neo was really bad with that. Like the first Neo yeah. game, uh, I just remember there were only two level types. It was either like you're in a village or you're in a cave. Village, cave, village, cave, village, (laughs) cave. I think I remember Neo 2 having more variety and I appreciated that. But um, yeah, the first Neo didn't really stick with me, honestly. Neo 2, I enjoyed more, but. um, I I agree. I think it is a better game than the first one. But unfortunately, all of my complaints, I think, are a couple of them they fixed. I could get into really specifics, but I won't. But it still has repetitive enemy design, too much stuff yeah. and hmm. artificial difficulty. Hmm. So, and somewhat boring map design. It, it was probably, so. honestly, it was probably knocked off my top five from last year. Cause I played call of the sea and immortals Phoenix rising in January of, the, of this year. And I think I like both of those games more. Um, hmm. but, uh, I, I still like Neo too. It's not, it, it, but yeah, I don't, I don't hate yeah. it. Yeah. It's like it's like the seventh best Souls game I've played. Is that <laughs> fair? Like the seventh or eighth best? <laughs> Maybe, yeah. Yeah, that's that's fair. Yeah. Uh, cool. All right. Well, Neo Two, it's pretty good on PC, right? 
Yeah, it, it runs in high frame rate, ultra wide. I did have um, some issues where the ultra would go away, but the game would still render in ultra wide, so my screen would be cut off and I couldn't see my HUD oh, elements. That's annoying. But they'll probably they'll probably patch that. I'm hoping. I'm sure. They'll I patch did that. have a crash too, which in this kind of game, especially if you're in these co-op sessions where the game doesn't save till the end of the level, oh. can be frustrating because you can put an hour into a level and crash Ooh. and lose everything. So hopefully that won't happen to you guys. The okay. second game didn't crash for me very much. Only the first one really did. So I see. All right. Well, I don't think we have any more games to talk about this week, right? Okay. Let's talk about our recs this week. Uh, my recommendation this week, I'll start because last the previous week, I um, the previous episode, I recommended dialing in your setup, getting a sweet gaming mouse and a nice mechanical keyboard and maybe a desk. I don't know, like some consumerist bullshit, right? So to counterbalance that a little, and in light of of certain developments, uh, my recommendation is. If you feel like it and you're able, order from places that aren't Amazon. Not don't ever use Amazon. I'm not saying Amazon is evil and you can never use it. That's that's a very unnuanced thing. I use Amazon all the time, but it's very easy, it, particularly at this point in history, to just only use Amazon for everything. And I think that there's some value to using other vendors. So there's lots of other, if, if you're looking to dial in your setup, my little brother just dialed his setup and he's got his double monitors and his mouse and keyboard and his little boom stand you, you could get all that stuff off of amazon if you needed to for the for the same price for comparable shipping options and so my advice is shop around you don't have to buy everything from amazon it's, uh yeah yeah uh i bought two things from amazon today and i already regret it i need to yeah stop. you should you're you're bad Just gotta stop. going to hell uh <laughs> <laughs> so thanks for the recommendation aaron thank you aaron Yes. Kevin, Kevin. Uh, mine is uh, it's a YouTube video actually. It's called "Running a Tightrope: Doom's Most Precarious Speed Run." It's by a YouTuber named Carl Jobst. Jobst. I'm not sure how you pronounce his last name, but um, it kind of breaks down speedrunning a certain level in Doom Two, which I believe is map 24. It's this kind of it's this difficult map because it's very thin walkways that you can fall off into this pits of slime, which basically kill you. Um, and people have found all these ingenious ways to get through it to the very end. It doesn't sound that exciting in premise, but when you watch the video, it's like watching, I don't know, it's like watching race cars or something. I don't know. It's, it's like watching a history of like like boat construction throughout the ages because he goes back and shows the speed runs from the 90s and you see these kind of clunky, awkward, and he often shows you the whole speed run, mm-hmm. these clunky, awkward speed runs, and as that it gets more and more refined and you watch it get to the end and you're like, there's no way they could do better and they do better. It's a strange thing to... Like it's, I've watched this video twice over the last year. It's really, it's spectacular. Yeah, it's really good. Um, and I also tried to do it just to, you know, just That's to true. see what happened. I was like, Kevin, see if you can get under a minute. Uh, after about four or five tries, I could get under a minute. So that's not too bad, but I mean, not even close to what these guys are doing. It's, but that's better than the record in the entire 90s. Think about really? it. Really? You were able to beat the record that, that lasted the whole 90s. It's just because of the route that these people. Yeah, he knows out. the routes. So. I just know the route, so I'm using their route. It's not super hard to do that if you know the route. Um, but it's definitely um, watching these guys' videos. Not he also has videos on Mario and other stuff, but the mm. Doom ones are interesting to me um, more so. Is because I guess I never considered speedrunning really like too much. Not that it's bad. I just never like looked into it. But it's definitely like it's like watching it's like watching like a like a like a, someone play a racing game in another game. Like they're gonna, you know, because when you're racing, if you if you lose, if you make one mistake, the race is over, right? Right. Game over. These guys are doing it in games that aren't meant to be racing in, so it's kind of like you're doing two things at once. So it's very high, challenging, high skill. It's cool to, it's fun to watch. See how see what people do. Yeah, I also want to say, and this is your recommendation, but the 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 YouTuber Carl Jobs, I think his name is or Jobs or whatever, he does a really good job of explaining it so that people who aren't familiar with speedrunning can really understand right. what makes it interesting yeah. and what makes what makes the, these specific runs um, significant in, in their place in history. So he's, he's like kind of like a speedrunning historian. Yeah, he is, for um, sure. But for the layperson. That's awesome. I haven't, I haven't watched that specific video yet, but I do remember watching a lot of Resident Evil 2 remake speedruns. And it's, it's just yeah. amazing seeing how these speedrunners kind of break the game, but also they just, um, just how they play it is so counterintuitive, but it's, but, but it works. Like when I play Resident Evil 2 Remake, for example, I usually like try to kill every zombie or like, uh, or like I'll purposefully yeah. avoid certain zombies, 
but then but them they won't kill any zombies they'll just like shoot them once in the leg to stun them and then just run past them and i'm like Mm -hmm. i would never play resident evil 2 remake that way but that's that's how they get the speed run down they don't really kill any of the zombies they just stun them so it's really interesting interesting stuff it is Mm -hmm. well uh or my friend my uh what have you been watching my right my recommendation is i've been uh okay so uh i'm a millennial and i missed the boat on the sopranos i just never watched it so i'm watching the sopranos i'm on is it as good as everyone says because i've never seen it either it but everyone talks about it's like the best show ever made right so you know in that level among the best shows ever made yes yeah, it, it's it's pretty it's pretty amazing, honestly. Um, it's actually kind of ruining a lot of shows for me because I realized that those t- shows just stole from The Sopranos. <laughs> like, mm. like I'm like, oh, this episode is like that episode in Breaking Bad, or like, oh, this plot development's like this plot de- development in The Americans, or like, oh, the way they portray this character is like BoJack Horseman. <laughs> it's like I'm uh-huh. I'm seeing it's like kind of influence in everything. So now I'm like, mm-hmm. oh, I know where it comes from. It comes from The Sopranos. It's like Simpsons did it first. Sopranos did it first. So, mm. but um, no, yeah, I, I really like The Sopranos. Um, I think uh, the thing that my big takeaway from that show is, um, I don't know if I, I can't remember the last, usually when I watch a TV show, there's like characters that you root for, so to speak, like mm. in Breaking Bad, you're yeah. rooting for cer- certain characters or there's characters that you relate to on a personal level with the Sopranos. It's pretty well established that 90% of the characters in that show or 95 are just despicable people. And Mm. it's a different way to watch television. Cause like you're watching a lot of these like truly horrible characters who do horrible things and they're like sexist, racist. They murder people for no reason. They do all of these terrible things, but, um, it's it's compelling television because of that. Um, I don't know if you mm. share that opinion, Aaron, because I know you watched it. Yeah, I think that The Sopranos is. I mean, much like any piece of gangster fiction, like you end up rooting for characters that are bad and and, and inhibit and so many negative qualities that you probably wouldn't want to. You wouldn't want to, you know, emulate. But like, yeah, it's just a weird. You know, you're rooting for the bad guy. I, you know, I watched that show long enough long enough ago to not really tell you who I was rooting for, but I definitely like, it does a good job of like showing you how, Hey, look, these are a bunch of people who are gangsters, but they're also, they have family lives and kind of the same family problems that we do. Um, like the thing I guess that sticks out the most is that show set so much of the mold for what became prestige television. Mm. Um, and like whenever you go back to the earlier, iterations of a thing it'll have lots of pieces that would seem vestigial on any other piece of content so like a lot of shows have emulated certain things about the the sopranos but not everything like i always think of like you always hear tony soprano breathing and it will like linger on him kind of standing in a scene breathing after the scene ends for several seconds to kind of just kind of let the character communicate something with their body language and like shows don't do that except the sopranos yeah, that's that's really great. I I really love um just the entire approach to t- Tony Soprano because yeah, I love how they just kind of stay on his breathing. I also love that James Gandolfini is straight up not really physically attractive at all, but because mm. he's so confident and he demands respect from people like a lot of people are attracted to him whether it's like sexually or just like they just want to be around him. It's just like a really interesting dynamic and uh yeah I, i'm just overall having a really good time it's just so um another thing about the show is that show has some of the most disturbing stuff i've seen in television straight up uh with the exception of maybe twin peaks the return and mm. it's kind of interesting because even hbo shows now or fx shows now don't have that caliber of perturbing the audience like the sopranos did like there's rape scenes people get brutally murdered for literally no reason like like people will just like look at somebody the wrong way and they get killed (laughs) and Mm -hmm. (laughs) it's just kind of wild seeing that type of television because i don't really think i I don't really see that anymore do you guys see that um in any tv the only thing i I can think think of is twin peaks the return 
really. The, the thing I would say is that like mm, it's yeah. it has these punctuated moments of violence and sort of disturbing violence, but it's like most of it is kind of boring maybe relative to a lot of TV. Like there's a lot of mundane details put in it. So when something violent happens, it feels much more realistic and relatable because it's, it comes out of nowhere. It's sudden. And it's like, Whoa, I, I didn't see that coming. Mm. Whereas like, you know, game of Thrones is like every other scene was like a rape scene or a battle scene. A lot, there was a lot of stuff, you know, like lots of shows have like, they just live in the violence. So you don't even think about it. Cause it's almost comic book. Like, whereas this is such a realistic portrayal of people that when the violence happens, it feels authentic in a way that a lot of other things don't. Hmm. I can see that. Yeah. It's, it, it's, I, I'm, I'm loving it so far. Honestly, like I'm a little bit biased right now because I literally just watched my favorite episode in the show so far which is pine barrens oh, have you guys the pine barrens i knew you were gonna yeah say that. yeah i literally just watched that episode and i rewatched it like right after because i was like that was incredible <laughs> so yeah so that's a great episode yeah so maybe like uh, i'm like higher on it than i probably maybe should be but like that episode was so good and steve buscemi directed it um it had heavy fargo vibes really mm-hmm. great episode so i'm excited to keep watching and yeah you haven't finished it, right? No, I just I literally just watched Pine Barrens. So I'm like at the okay, end of okay. season three. Um, All right. So the show stays pretty consistent with a few like it gets a little boring for a minute, but it's definitely one of those shows that I think starts strong, stays strong throughout the middle and ends extremely strong. I know a lot of people have conflicted feelings about the ending, but I thought it was yeah um, quite good. Yeah, um, yeah it's uh, I've heard that seasons four and five, it dips a little bit. Is that true? Uh, it becomes a little too much about AJ, which is, I'm sure is your favorite character. <laughs> sure. <laughs> that, that's the son. But, uh, yeah, no, it's, it's, it's still pretty good, but it, there's a, there's a little quality dip, but for the most part, it's, it stays strong till the end. Yeah. Uh, th- one last thing I'll say about the Sopranos. I actually kind of felt that way about season two because season two focuses on Janice a lot. And Janice is like an incredibly annoying character on purpose um Mm -hmm. so like i get it like that's the thing about this show is that um and like i try to explain this to people who don't like um scorsese movies as well is that like because they'll be like oh they're just like a bunch of annoying evil italians why am i watching this and it's like but that's like the point that's like what they're Mm -hmm. trying to communicate that these characters are incredibly complicated with tons of trauma from their childhood from the culture that they live in and you're supposed to Mm -hmm. kind of see those contradictions and Janice is that type of character. The problem, though, is is that she's featured so much in season two that it was like kind of nauseating after a while. I'm like, mm. this character is crazy. I don't know if I want to be in this, occupying this space with her. But um, but uh, yeah. But uh, season three was really amazing. Season three was like had like three or four of the best episodes of the show so far. Hmm. Yeah, it, it's a great show. It's I feel like a lot of dramas that are being produced today don't have the same they're they're doing the sort of paint by the numbers like they're doing a lot of the things that the sopranos did but they don't feel literary in the way that the sopranos did and i don't know if that's just me talking out of my ass but it just feels like there's more depth of humanity in that show than there is in a lot of modern shows i don't know maybe i'm just being a total fucking old man no i think that's true i actually like um i don't know i mean i haven't seen it no yet no i think that's true um because um, I, I've watched a lot of those family dramas that span like over six seasons. And mm-hmm. I feel like The Sopranos has covered more thematically than any of those other shows did. And I know that's controversial because I know a lot of people like put Breaking Bad as like the ultimate. But I feel like as much as I love Breaking Bad, I think I've gotten more like I've thought about more things watching The Sopranos than I did Breaking Bad. Like. Like I've thought about um, the nature of toxic masculinity because a lot of that show is about how Tony Mm -hmm. Soprano is seeing a therapist, but he doesn't Mm -hmm. want other gang members to know that he's seeing a therapist because they'll (laughs) use it as weakness against him. So like the show's commenting on this like incredibly masculine world in a way that's Mm -hmm. really interesting and self-aware. And like that alone to me is more interesting than a lot of, similar shows that have tried the same thing. Like I remember watching that Netflix show Narcos and that show Mm. like didn't really explore any of that. (laughs) Mm -hmm. And that's like another like gangster show. So I'm getting more out of this show. Um, Am I crazy to say that Aaron? 
I mean, I no, I really do agree with you. I think some of those early HBO shows, maybe not Oz, but Deadwood, obviously The Wire and The Sopranos do have a very literary quality where it feels like they are just there it's it's very open-ended there's a lot of nuance to the characters they're very well written and um and they're not like heavy-handed right like you're talking like like the sopranos absolutely is a great you could lens to look at toxic masculinity but it's not like you feel like you're getting beat over the head with some message like you're just seeing it like it's very playful in the way that it invites you to engage with the content yeah, it's brilliant too because, and I know we're talking about the Sopranos so much, but like, what it, what's so brilliant about that is, um, uh, I love how Meadow, the daughter, is kind of used mm-hmm. as a contrast to all of the other characters because um, sometimes when you watch a TV show, like, either it will be beat the message will be beating you over the head with the message, or the characters will just kind of reflect the screenwriter's own opinions kind of like an Aaron Sorkin screenplay, let's be honest. Mm. <laughs> so, but like with uh, The Sopranos, it does something really clever where um, like a lot of the uh, characters will be like misogynistic or like racist or just like horrible. But then you have Meadow who is not that at all. And, and it's right. it's interesting how they use like a different character as a foil, which is in this case is Meadow too kind of show like the other side to like this other world that exists this is the sopranos episode everyone thanks for coming um this is uh talking oh there's actually another reason why i was going to bring the show up i'm watching this show because there's a new podcast on youtube with christopher multisanti and uh, uh i can't remember the character's name but uh um steven sharipa he's like the guy who caretakes for junior in the show they have a podcast that started like a year ago called Talking Sopranos, and they've been going through every single episode, and I've been listening to a little bit of it. So if you want a really good oh, podcast for The Sopranos, Talking Sopranos, I've listened to a few episodes. It's good stuff. All right. I think that's all we have time for today. Uh, Madden, as always, thank you for the awesome track at the, at the front of this podcast, and uh, you guys uh, see you in a week or two.